Good morning. It's truly an honor to be home, to be able to stand in the pulpit. I appreciate Bill's invitation. My brother Ron and his wife were here at the 845 service. Um, I bring greetings from my mother. Um, Mom's dementia advances and her health is, is challenged, but she's happy and she's content. She lives about three blocks from where I live, so I get to see her daily. And, and if you wonder what Pittman Park means to our family, we have a lot of repetitive conversations, but almost daily mom says, have you heard from anyone from Statesboro? And then she says, because you know, you ought to go back and see if you could preach at Pittman Park. Um, and it, it touches me. Um, so there's something about being here. She can't be here in presence, but um, her spirit is definitely with us. So last week was All Saints Sunday. A perfect week to begin the sermon series that you're in the midst of, looking at these verses from Hebrews and focusing on the phrase last week, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The church where I worship, um, we honored All Saints Day, we lit candles for all of those who had passed away. I'm sure that you all were remembering those who've been part of your church family who had passed on. But here I am one week later, standing in the sanctuary where I sang in the children's choir where I took communion for the first time, where I was baptized and confirmed, where I preached my first sermon, where my own father's funeral was held, where most all of the people who molded and shaped me in faith came from this congregation, the great cloud of witnesses. Part of me wishes I'd been in town last week so that I could be preaching on the great cloud of witnesses because I have so much to say about this church and, and what you've done in my life. But the calendar says this is November 10th, not November 3rd. So the part of the scripture I'm asked to focus on is not the great cloud of witnesses, but the phrase, run with perseverance. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. The great cloud of witnesses would be easier for me to talk about, right? I might get tearful, I'm a little tearful anyway, but but so many stories I could tell. And so as I sat with the scripture, I thought, Perseverance, perseverance. And the first story that came, the first example, something I could share about perseverance that came to mind is the story I'm deciding to share with you. I was in seminary, 23 years old, and I was appointed to be the pastor of a small congregation on the Georgia-Alabama line. The SPRC chair contacted me, said he'd help me move. He'd show up at my apartment, move all my things to the church parsonage. I was so excited. He showed up with a pickup truck hooked up to a cattle trailer (laughs) in Atlanta, right, yeah. So it's a good thing I grew up in Statesboro. We had cows, so I wasn't disgusted by, curious about, or didn't even comment on the cattle trailer. I knew how to open the door. I loaded my stuff, and we moved. I thought it might help me make a decent first impression, right? The drive, though, was awkward. It was a two-hour drive. I was in the cab of the truck with him moving from my apartment east of Atlanta to the parsonage on the Georgia-Alabama line. We sat together, it was kind of hard to hear, things were loud, and at one point he said, just want you to know, we aren't really in favor of this, but some of us are willing to give it a try. And honestly, I wasn't sure what he was talking about for a moment, but then he added, well, not everyone's willing to give it a try. A bunch of folks will be joining First Baptist this Sunday and leaving our congregation. They just can't deal with having a woman pastor. Oh, that was a long drive. 
If that had happened to me today, I can think of all sorts of things I would have said to him, or, and, and I might not have let it affect me so much, but I was 23 years old. This was going to be my first full-time job ever. I was in the midst of the ordination process. I was excited about what God was doing in my life, eager to see what doors God would open, and here it seemed like this person was slamming a door before I'd even put my toe through it. It hurt, if I'm honest. And I began to second guess myself. Should I be their minister? Am I fit for this? Perseverance is not the word I would have chosen. A better description would be, we didn't really have a choice. At that point, my furniture was in the cattle trailer, right? The DS said I was their preacher. My name had been added to the sign in front of the church, so we all just sort of rolled with it. And he was right. A number of people transferred their membership on my very first Sunday to the only other church in town. But I just did my best. I preached sermons. I visited the sick. I got to know the shut-ins. I taught Bible studies. I started a children's choir. And you know what? We had done the Down by the Creek Bank musical here. I did it there with them. I got to take the gift you gave me and do it with them. I'd like to say I persevered. But honestly, I just did what I thought I should do. I just tried to be faithful. Things were good, they weren't great, but they were tolerating having a 23-year-old woman as their pastor. And then late one day, I got a call at the parsonage. A 42-year-old church member who was a cattle farmer had gone to open the gate between one pasture and the other to let the cows move. Only something spooked the cows and they stampeded and they trampled the man standing in the gate, knocked him down, ran over him. He had been rushed to the hospital, but they didn't know if he would survive. He was not the most active church member, but he came. Oh, and one other thing, his dad was the SPRC chairperson. That man who wasn't sure if he was in favor of my being their pastor. And I thought to myself, I better handle this one well, right? So I jumped in the car, I sped to the hospital on the other side of the county. When I pulled into the parking lot, I could see the entire family, extended family, you know, already arriving, standing in a circle, looking shocked and stunned. I parked the car, and then like a 23-year-old with no experience, who'd never done anything like this before, I sprinted across the parking lot. Sprinting is probably not the most professional, pastoral way to approach a grieving family, but I'd never done this before, and I just wanted to get there as fast as I could, and so I sprinted toward them, not realizing it had been raining all week, and the ground was really soft and muddy. So as I tried to stop, as I got close to them, see, I played softball. It was like sliding into home base, right? <laughs> My arms flew up. My body went down, the mud went flying, and I was thinking, this is it. They're calling the DS and I'm out of here. They are gonna have had enough. But the first thing I heard as I lie there in the mud wasn't anger, it was laughter. First one person, and then another, and then the whole sobbing circle of family erupted into laughter. The first person that spoke was the SPRC chairperson who said to the extended family, this is our pastor. <laughs> and they laughed, and I laughed, and I got up, 
and I stood with them draped in mud and I put my arms around them and we prayed together and I drove home and I changed clothes and I drove back and we sat together for days in the hospital. He never awoke. The family was able to make the decision to say goodbye, to remove life support, to donate his organs so others could live and thrive. And at 42 years old, he passed away. I had been welcomed at his bedside, but I felt sure that the funeral would be another story. It's bad manners and even sort of against the rules, but oftentimes in little country churches, folks will call their favorite pastor from 10 years ago or 15 years ago to do the funeral. That's what I was expecting. The SBRC chair and his wife called me to come over and meet with them, and that's what I expected, but I was shocked. They said, we trust you to do his funeral. I had only ever done one funeral ever, just a few months before this. But they trusted me, and the church was packed, and the basement was packed, and people were standing in the yard outside. We, we lifted the windows of the church so people could hear. Looking back, I realized I didn't become the pastor of that congregation the day that my furniture was unloaded from the cattle trailer and into the parsonage. I became their pastor the day of that funeral when I was trusted with something that mattered. I got to be the pastor. And it was an amazing experience. And going forward, amazing things happened in that congregation. We had baptisms in a river. I'd never even seen that. We purchased a building next to the church that became our education wing. In 1996, the Olympic torch passed right in front of our church, literally, and we all had this big festival and stood out for the historic moment. I took the UMW ladies on a field trip. I said, let's go to Epworth-by-the-Sea. Let's walk where John Wesley walked, because being from far away, they'd never been. We had a great time, and then they said, so next year, where are we going? And, you know, and they said, we want to go to Memphis, and we want to walk where Elvis walked. <laughs> so that's what we did. That's what we did. I loved that church. And when we left, you know what? They asked for another woman pastor. And when she left, they asked for another woman pastor. And that's my story of perseverance. So why share that story? Probably not many of you are sitting there today pondering whether you should become a Methodist minister. Maybe you are, that would be wonderful. But why a preacher perseverance story? What does that do for those of you who are here to worship today? I didn't share the story because I think your life is on a parallel course with my life. I share it because I think my story is ordinary. Seriously. I didn't do anything special. I didn't know what I was doing, if I'm honest. All I did was stay where God put me and do what I thought God had asked me to do. That was it. That's all I did, and God did the rest. I showed up and I did what I thought God would want me to do. I didn't make any grand speeches, I didn't perform miracles, I didn't come with vast experience, I had no vision from heaven or, or special dream. I was kind of an introvert and a nerd. I just showed up and did what I thought I was supposed to do. I just stayed on the path God put me on. I showed up and I did what I thought God would want me to do. Now, when I first heard that the theme for today's service was perseverance, 
I thought of the grand stories. I thought of Moses. 40 years, 40 years in the desert leading the people when the people lost faith and the people complained and things were dangerous. That's perseverance, bold. I was gonna preach on Moses. Then I thought of Nelson Mandela, 27 years in prison, still believing apartheid could end in South, in South Africa. That's incredible perseverance. I thought of the suffragettes, right, fighting so that women could vote in our country. I thought of Southerners, black and white, who sat at sit-ins and lunch counters and took risk and did it time and time again. So many headline makers for perseverance. And their stories are inspiring. But sometimes their stories are so intense, so other than me, I kind of think I, it's impossible. I can't be like them, right? They're the headlines and the heroes. I'm just an ordinary person that lives in a small town and works hard to pay my bills and keep my commitments. And I'm betting that most of you are just ordinary people that live in a small town and work hard to pay your bills and keep your commitments. Most of us are probably not headline makers. But I think the point of the passage is that we too are called to persevere. Hebrews chapter 12 is not just in Nelson Mandela's Bible, it's in my Bible too, in your Bible too, right? We are called to persevere. We are called to show up, to do what God would want us to do. It's not fancy. The scripture says, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. There is a path, a race set before each of us. And your path is unique. Your path is different than my path. Your path involves your family, your friends, your coworkers. The race you're on, it involves your neighborhood, your town, your workplace, your schools. It involves your unique role your gifts, your talents, and your treasure. You don't have to be a hero who makes headlines, but you do have to show up and do what God would want you to do. This is the walk of faith. You have to love your neighbor. You have to. You have to give of yourself. You have to do the drudgery and sweaty, dirty work of being a disciple. Even when it's not cool, even when it's not popular, even when it doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere. I think running the race involves things like serving on committees at church, teaching or leading classes, joining a choir or a band, chaperoning a youth trip, making a financial pledge, visiting someone who's homebound. It may involve speaking up for things at work, choosing service opportunities over leisure opportunities, Prioritizing diversity in your friendships and your professional network. Getting out of your comfort zone. Perseverance. None of these things will make you famous, but if you're being who God created you to be, doing what God called you to do, then your feet are on the path that you should be on, right? And if you're on that path and you're showing up and you're doing what God wants you to do, do you know where that path leads you? Right into the arms of Jesus. My brother was here for the 845 service and afterwards he said, that's, that's not what I thought you were gonna speak on. It's like, what? <laughs> he said, well, when you said perseverance, he said, I thought you'd talk about dad's funeral. I was like, what? He said, remember 
press on, press on. That's what we talked about, press on. We don't always choose the path that we want our feet to be on, but we press on. I invite you to take some time this week to think about the path that you are on, the race that you are running, the life that you are living, and ask yourself, what is it that God needs you to show up for? What is it that God needs you to do? What gifts has God given you that you can be using, that only you could be using? Don't think of perseverance just as a a thing for heroes and for headline makers and superstars. Because God made you to be you and put you on the path that you're on and God needs you to show up and do what God would want you to do. That's what it means to run with perseverance the race set before us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.